love Westridge because the people here are just so warm and inviting. I love being involved in this church. I love serving here. I love interacting with people here. Westridge just always provides for, for people in need. Just in our Huff outreaches, um, uh, backpack, project backpacks, the uniform drives, um, the, food boxes. the food boxes. One of the words I describe Westridge uh, as is accepting because it doesn't matter where you came from. Um, we love everybody and we love to see people grow in Jesus and uh, we love seeing people grow in their faith. The more involved I get in this church, the more it allows me to grow in my spirituality and in my journey. And I encourage everybody else to serve because it's like the best thing ever. Pretty much the whole time that we've been here, um, the thing that has really impacted us most is just um, the way that Westridge gives back. Every time you come, everyone has a smiling face, uh, reaching out to give you a hug. It's, it feels like coming here and hanging out with the family every Sunday. Morning, y'all. Just want to say thank you one more time to the Gospel Whiskey Runners. They are uh, not only a great band, but they are absolutely great people and love having them here. I, I figure if they lived here, they'd be good Westridger folk. So. Uh, today, we want to uh, continue in our series that we've entitled Never Church as Usual as we're looking at some of the lessons that we've learned over the last 20 years in our history as a church as part of our 20 years celebration and just the things that have helped uh, to shape and to make us into the church that we have become today. And so this morning we're going to discuss something that is um, very important to us, which is what it means to, to live a life of generosity. And I think a lot of times that we, we look at this Christianity thing all wrong. Because we tend to look at it as what's in it for me, Right? I mean, many people look at the church with almost a consumer mentality, and when you're going out shopping for churches, you know, you got your list, and you're like, yes, I'd like to have a, a great service, but I want them to keep it short, right? I want an inspiring message, but really no more than 20 minutes. I want phenomenal music, but I got to have a little country in there, too. I, uh, and by the way, can, can you throw in a little kids' ministry thing so my kids are good while I'm, you know, sitting in church? And I'll take that to go. Thanks. And it's just kind of like, you know, you drive in and you kind of do your thing and you pull out, but there's no sense of commitment or connection or contribution. It's just, what have you done for me lately? And the reality is that the Christian faith is just the opposite of that. I mean, Christianity is designed around the idea that the more we give away, the more of ourselves that we give, the, the more generously we live, the more we get in return and the more fulfilled we're going to be in our lives. And the church is God's way of providing us all with a platform where we can have an outlet to contribute back and to serve each other. There's a passage um, in the book of James I want to read for you this morning, and it's um, found in chapter 2. And James says, What good is it if someone claims to have faith, but has no good deeds? Can such a faith save them? So suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food, and somebody comes up to them and says, Hey, brother or sister, 
go in peace, keep warm, be well fed, but does nothing for their physical deeds, does nothing to help them. What good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But somebody's going to say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. And then he says, you believe that God exists? Great. Even the demons in hell believe that and fear him. You know, there's a few passages in the Bible that keep me up at night. (laughs) This is one of them, because it's a really sobering passage, because it talks about the the fact that the Christian faith is more than just belief. And I, if, I, if I were to go around the room before we had this message, I, I'm sure that if I said, hey, what, what sets you apart? What makes you a Christian? You'd say, I believe in God, right? My belief makes me a Christian. But the problem is, even the demons in hell believe that there's a God. So what else? How do we differentiate ourselves from them? What really sets us apart as Christian, what makes us different? What makes a Christian a Christian? What is the essence? Faith is is way bigger than just belief. It requires something of us. It's how we live out our lives. In other words, our beliefs dictate our behavior. Whatever it is that we believe that is foundational to our lives shapes the way that we live. And from that is born our actions. If we believe in Jesus and we follow him, then it changes everything about who we are and how we live. Because following Jesus requires us to live differently. It requires us to live generously. And the Bible teaches that spiritual growth is not about growing in our knowledge of the Bible. It is not about growing in our knowledge of theology and becoming super smart about those things. It's not about a pastor standing on stage and you know, giving you all the Greek and Hebrew stuff out of the, the scriptures. And it, It's none of that. Spiritual maturity is marked by our capacity to love more. To serve more. Spiritual growth happens when we live in such a way that we have this deep-seated desire to give more than we take out of this world. But that kind of desire, I believe, is only born out of spiritual growth. And so there's a little bit of a chicken and egg thing. We were created by God, all of us, with a set of, of gifts and personalities that allow us to do something, that allow us to contribute to the whole. But it's only as we grow in our relationship with God that that we grow in our desire to use those gifts to do good. Because let's face it, until we develop a Christian worldview, we really do pretty much see ourselves at the center of the universe and live a pretty self-absorbed life thinking that everybody else exists to serve me. But when we are saved by grace, our eyes are open. And we can see so clearly 
that while we were a bunch of messed up sinners and didn't deserve a thing, Jesus died for me. And now, all you want to do is spend the rest of your life saying thank you for saving my rear end from the pits of hell. Doing good works is not a criteria for being saved. It is a result of being saved. Where we become so overwhelmed with gratitude, we become so full up and blessed that we just have to do something. We just want to do something in response to that. To say thank you, we want to take action. People who really understand what God has done for us are fundamentally people with a greater sense of joy. One of the most common failures of Christians who have lost sight of the wonder of God's grace is the tendency to complain. Complaining and negativity is an expression of the fact that we have lost it. We have lost our sense of gratitude. We have lost our perspective on what's real in this world. And let me tell you, the thing that brings everybody down when you're served with people who complaining who about serving is because it just sucks the joy right out of the whole thing. And so I would suggest that in the same way that we teach here, that if you're not in a place where you have a desire to give, then don't give. In the same way, if you're at a place where you're not yet wanting to serve, or you have a desire to serve, or you can't serve without complaining or with a generous heart, then don't do it. However, I would challenge your perspective. Because if we can turn our perspective upside down and begin to see serving differently, where people aren't thanking me because I'm serving, we actually thank others for the opportunity to serve. And we can serve with a sense of gratitude. It changes everything. You become completely fulfilled in what you're doing. It changes the way you view the world. Most people who are out there church shopping will say, and I'm sure you've heard it, I'm looking for a church where I can be fed. But just think about it. If we're all looking for a church that can feed me, we're looking for a church that can serve me and my needs and my family's needs, then nobody is serving. And the church becomes just a bunch of self-absorbed people who have the wrong perspective as they suck the joy right out of the church, waiting around for somebody to serve me. But when we commit to following Jesus down the narrow dirt path, we start living counterculturally, which means that we're always looking for opportunities to serve rather than to be served. Rather than thinking that everyone else should be serving me, we begin to understand that we, we are there to serve each other. There was a, uh, a survey that was conducted by over 850 churches and 235,000 Christians participated. And it asked the question, how have you found is the best way that you grow spiritually? And oddly enough, the survey revealed the same thing that Jesus taught some 2,000 years ago. 
And that is that serving produces spiritual growth. Nothing causes us to grow in our faith more than serving other people. Serving experiences are the catalyst of spiritual growth because serving takes us out of our comfort zones and it thrusts us into a new dimension of growth in our faith. I shared this with you uh, a few weeks ago during the announcement time, but um, it's worth repeating in this context because when the hurricane hit down in Houston, I stood up here and I thanked everybody for filling the truck that we sent down. And just on a spontaneous moment, without thinking anything through, I stood up here and I said, hey, and if anybody wants to give money and I'm going to be staying across the street from the convention center that was converted into a shelter where all the displaced people in Houston are, and so if anybody wants to give some cash, I'm going to walk across the street and just put some cash in the hands of some people who have been displaced who really needed it. Sounded like a good idea at the time. You guys were incredibly generous, and like in five minutes, we raised over $3,000. And so what I did was I took um, $100 increments, and I filled 30 envelopes full of $100 of cash um, so that I could just be able to hand it out at the shelter. But when I got down there, it was a pretty intimidating situation. I remember looking out over the uh, shelter from my hotel room, and it looked more like a prison camp than a convention center. I mean, everything was locked down. The streets were cleared. There were people kind of scattered everywhere. Police were everywhere. And I could tell this was going to be a pretty dicey situation. And there were more than 1,000 people in that shelter, and I had 30 envelopes full of cash, and it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that I didn't have enough for everybody. And... I had the potential of creating a little bit of a mob scene by just going over and, and, and handing out money. So I walked over and I talked to the Red Cross and I told them about my bad plan and they said, yeah, that's a really bad plan. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, uh, I just got this pit in my stomach. And, and I have to tell you this, that if, if I didn't stand up here on stage and make a commitment to all of you that I would distribute that money, there is no way in God's created earth that I would have done this. But I had to figure out some way to do this to keep my promise to all of you. And so I made a plan. And I noticed that everyone who was displaced and living as part of the shelter had an orange wristband. And I looked across the street in this park, and there were just people everywhere who were wearing this wristband. And so I would find somebody who was sitting by themselves... And I would go sit right next to them. And they would look at me like, you know, what are you doing? And, I, and so I would just talk real low and I'd say, so my church from Elgin, they'd really like to bless you with some cash. And so I don't have enough for everybody, but I have this envelope full of cash that I'm just going to slip to you. And don't say anything or make a big deal about it, but just... just once you know, we just want to bless you. And it felt like I was doing a drug deal or something. So I, I like, <laughs> so I'm surprised I wasn't arrested. So I like slipped in this envelope full of cash. And then like as soon as I could, I just got up and bolted. Like I just walk away from the whole thing. But when people realized like what was happening, when they finally could actually figure out what I was doing, they would just grab me and they would just hug me and say thank you. And some people were just sobbing in my arms. And one guy came up to me and he said, 
you know, I've been stuck here because I didn't have any money, but this gives me the, the money to get a bus ticket home. I can get home now. And he said, thank the people of your church. And they're just like crying. And there was a couple times where I got up and walked away really quickly. And, you know, by the time I'm halfway down the street, they had opened up the envelope, figured out what was going on. There was cash. They chased me down the street and like saying, sir, sir. And they're like, I'm like, oh, shh. And, you know, they were just like hugging me and crying. And I was crying. And it was, I mean, it was just heart wrenching. I mean, it was tragic. But I have to tell you this. I have, there was nothing in me that wanted to do that. I have no regrets that I did that. I mean, it was incredible. And, I, and I'll just tell you, that is a great image of what serving looks like. Because there are a lot of times we don't want to do it. We don't want to carve out the time. It takes us out of our comfort zone. I don't want to deal with these people. It's no fun. Whatever the excuses we make. But if we can just open up our eyes and see all of the needs that exist all around us, and we're willing to take a risk and do something, whatever it is we do, when we do it, something inside of us changes. And it makes us different. And I can just promise you this, if you just get out of your comfort zone and you just do it, you won't regret it. You just won't. It's in that moment when we finally get it, that we finally understand that our weak excuses for keeping our focus on me and not having the time to do anything that has meaning to it or serving or uh, loving other people, you know, when we look back at our life, those excuses are going to seem so hollow. I was too busy. I had too much going on. I couldn't balance it all. And we will leave this world with regrets for not having given ourselves to the stuff that really matters in this life. And I'll tell you this, because it's the same in my life. I am real busy. And I can keep myself real busy real good. But the question is, what am I prioritizing in my life? Am I willing to cut things out that don't matter to make room for the things that do? Westridge philosophically believes that we should find an area of ministry and become the pastor of that area of ministry. The Bible calls us the priesthood of all believers. Not that you should be any busier or that we want to suck you dry, but that we take an area of ministry that we want to focus in on and we take that seriously. We take that on. We have a commitment about that. We want that area to be successful and we know that what we're doing has a sense of purpose and you become the pastor of that area of ministry. And by that, I don't mean that you're some Bible college dude that's like sitting up here chatting away at the church. It's not that. The word pastor, as it's simply translated, is that you are a shepherd of people that you care for your sheep. You help them when they need direction. And so as a pastor, you're somebody who just gives a rip. You care about people that you don't even know. You want to help them when they're lost or hurting or 
provide guidance when they need it. And how our view of church would change if we could just open our eyes and see all of the needs that are all around us all the time. And whether we're serving in Westridge Kids or we're serving communion, to understand that we're making an impact on somebody's life that will change them for all of eternity. As we hold those sacraments of the bread and the cup and we pass that to understand the significance of that to be able to teach these kids and to give them a positive role model and a positive view of church where so many of us grew up with such a negative view, but to give them a positive view of church and of God. We need your help in the kids' ministry, and Cassandra will be out at the desk today. We need people who can make a difference in these kids' lives. Whether you serve as a greeter or at guest services, that when somebody walks through that door for the first time that hasn't been to church, in years, to finally feel the warmth of God because you have welcomed them with such warmth. You've been a pastor to them. If we could just see yourself as God sees you, that you're the pastor of parking or you're the pastor of plumbing repairs or that you're the pastor of the nursery as you preach to those little babies, right? But that... We give a rip about people. We care that we are pastoral in what we do and we're seriously committed to the area of ministry that we're serving in. But I will also say this. Don't waste another minute of your life doing something or serving out of a sense of obligation. Do it because you're grateful for what God has done for you. Do it because you know that what you do will make a difference in somebody's life. A great example of that looks like John and Stacy Doyle. They're a uh, couple that visited Westridge. They started checking it out a few years ago. But once they decided that this would be their church home, man, they dug in. And John, first of all, uh, volunteered as a uh, greeter and then started volunteering in some more areas. It was life-changing for them when they came to Nicaragua. And they served uh, with the Nika Angels over Nicaragua. And then they came back and um, dug in a little bit more. John owns a uh, painting company. And so he was able to donate all of the labor to do all of the painting and exterior work. Saved us literally $15,000, $20,000 of real money. And, I mean, these guys are a joy to be around because they get high off of serving and being part of the community and you just can't help but feel that energy. I love those guys. But they're just one example of a whole lot of people here at Westridge who have some serious skin in the game who have committed blood, sweat, and tears to make this a very, very special place where we can all contribute to each other. I don't have any desire to do this church thing on my own. My desire is that we could just all partner together. I don't think there's anything special about me that the time that I put into this church is any different than any of us would as volunteers. That we would put that kind of time and energy to make sure that we're contributing to a place of significance. I I just, you know, I... I just want to be part of a group of people who are so tired of the superficiality of this world 
And they just know that they want to do something that matters. Right? And the challenge, I think, and this, is, this really is the challenge, is that somehow we have to find the strength to rise above the normality of this life and live counterculture. That somehow we got to find a way to get our head up above the daily grind so we can see what's real, what's meaningful, and get our heads out of just doing the same thing day in and day out. I can tell you that the, the greatest moments in my life that I can point to in my past are the moments when I found the strength to get my eyes off of me. I stopped living a self-absorbed life and I, were, I was doing things that had meaning. Where I had the courage to live counterculturally and understand that my life has a bigger purpose than just living my life for just me and my self-absorbed ways. So I would just challenge you this morning, if we are not spending hours a week or month or year or whatever it is, if we're not spending time serving on a regular basis, and you're a follower of Jesus, I just ask you to check that. Because James makes it very clear. Faith without works is dead. Following Jesus is more than just believing in God. How do we differentiate ourselves against everything else? What makes a Christian a Christian? It's the action that we take. And I would challenge each of us to find an area, dig in, and make a difference. I've said this many times, but... The older that I get, the more sensitive I have become to wasting my life on things that have no meaning. Because you start to get the feeling that you're running out of time. And we just don't have time on this earth to be wasting time on this earth. And any time that distracts me, that anything that distracts me from, the, 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 from my mission and my purpose and the stuff of this world takes me away from things that matter. And the truth of the matter is that with every passing year, you give your life to something, right? Whether you make a conscious decision about it or by default you don't make any decision at all and you just blindly go through the daily grind, a decision has been made about what you've given your life for whether it's your career or your house or building wealth or trying to get ahead or just surviving the daily grind, in the end, what you have given your life to is what you have dedicated your time to. We want to challenge you here this morning to take that first step. Get out of your comfort zone. Find something where you can contribute back. And the irony is, that the more of ourselves that we give away, the greater benefit we receive because the more we grow in our faith in ways that we couldn't even imagine. Jesus never promised that it would be easy following him. Never read that in my Bible. He just promises that if we walk the narrow dirt path, eyes wide open, seeing all the needs around us, and doing something,
that at the end of the day, we won't regret it.